guys, back at it again. In the kitchen, whipping, I'm rapping again. Keep on playing, bitch, then I'm stabbing your friend. I'm in the hood, they think I'm back trapping again. Oh my gosh, back at it again. Hey, we're, uh, welcome to Political Issue. We are here with Assemblyman Jim Cooper from Sacramento. He's a legislator um, out of the Rancho. No. Out of Elk Grove. Yes, sir. Yeah, out of Elk Grove. And um, we're here not to talk about your legislative accomplishments, because I think that would be a really quick show. But we're here to... <laughs> oh, I've got, some, I've got some good ones, actually. <laughs> but we're here to talk about what you did before that. I, I'm really intrigued by your life before that. You've had, a, you've had a hell of a life here. So I first got to know you when you were the spokesperson for the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department, right? That Correct. When was that? I can't get past this watch you have on. You have this big gaudy watch you got on Groupon. <laughs> and it's, I know it was, it's, it's a cheap watch, but it's just, it's, just, Dude, it's not really blinging. It's bonging. This, this is a Casio Rangeman. Well, I'm just saying, instead barometer. of bling, it's blong. And it's not, not good looking. So, oh. But I was a spokesman from 1996 until 2000. Man. So during that time, it's, that not, about, it's not about you, David. It's about your cheap watch. <laughs> So during those four years, um, uh, I responded to every critical incident in Sacramento County. Sony homicide, hostage standoff. I mean, you name it. If law enforcement had to be there and it was significant, I responded. And then I was uh, the backup for about two years. So a lot of homicides. Um, so anywhere in the county. Anywhere in the county, you responded. So it's, what's interesting, Sacramento County is 714 square miles. I would be down at the end of the county Closer to Antioch because the county goes down to the oh, Antioch yeah, it does, Bridge, right? Yeah. So body dumps down there and just a lot of a lot of different things. But uh, it's a thirty year career, yeah. so it, it spanned a lot of different things and got to see and do a lot of uh, you know I think we're pretty cool things. Well, you know, I had a uh, and I know you don't like me talking about other people other than yourself, but I'm just going to do it briefly <laughs> if that's okay with you. <laughs> but we had a uh, DA Anne Marie Schubert in here the other day talking about the Golden State Killer. Yes, and she was talking about. Maybe 20 years ago, how many body dump areas there were in Sacramento County? Because it was a much more rural area. A lot of the places that we consider kind of built up now, like Natomas. Natomas was just tomato fields, man. Um, Folsom was just right around Folsom, old Folsom in the high school, right? Um, and so there were a lot. Of, you know, she was letting she was telling us about how many areas there were where people would come from out of the area just. Dumped the body in Sacramento. Yeah, so it, you you saw that it happened a lot. But I'll tell you what, as a spokesman, the cases that I really I, I don't want to say dislike, but didn't like dealing with was missing persons. And the reason is, you get a ton of missing persons, and most people are missing because they want to be missing. A lot really? of kids run away. Yeah, people just take off and really? leave. That happens a lot. So that's why they're very selective in when they put cases on. And you'll see families complaining. Yeah. Because in nine times out of 10, that person shows back up. We saw a couple recently here in Sacramento, in the county of Sacramento, where, you know, kids were missing around the holidays. And lo and behold, they showed up. Well, okay. So we had the woman up in Redding, Papini. Remember her, the blonde? Yeah. uh, Miss Miss America, whatever they're calling her. And she was out jogging and said that a couple of uh, Latinas had picked her up and she had her stuff. I've always been a little shaky on that one. I don't know if that one's real, but I don't. I don't think they've never found anybody, right? No, but there were some questions on that. And really, I mean, we had one case that stands out in my mind, and this woman definitely met, met foul play, Doris and Zunza. But otherwise, What's that one? it was a case out in Rosemont, missing uh, ex-boyfriend. But um, 
in, in the most cases, like I said, people for whatever reasons, a lot of runaways and things like that, and, and folks don't want it to admit it. So um, missing persons cases, we get far more reports than we put out because if you put out a, a press release every time someone is missing, it would be white noise. It'd be drowned really? out. Really? Yeah. That many? I, that many, yes, a ton. Huh. You're still put in the system, but you're not going to actively search for that person. So you'd say like eight cases. to nine percent, eight to nine out of 10 of the people that are reported as missing are usually missing because they want to be missing. Correct. Oh, hmm. Correct. interesting. Yeah. I, I would have never thought that. So now you would go out to all these, to these cases because you were the spokesperson, you're right. You had to speak to the press. Do you want to start from the beginning or you want to get to the middle of the story? Man, why you got to control? Why you got to control me, man? I'm just saying, usually, my you know, shit, you have a story, complex. It's, it's a book. So, <laughs> my book is all over. <sighs> so, so you go out there. Did you ever go, did you ever go to a crime where you knew someone? No. No? As a no. spokesperson, not as a... No, yeah. as, as a spokesperson, no. I never knew anyone. Um, no, I arrested people I went to school with and <clears throat> and I knew, but yeah, but never a, wow. a victim, yeah. Did you ever go to any of these cases when you're called out as the spokesperson and just say, wow, man, I got to take a minute. I got to sit down. This is This is a tough one. No, not really, because you can you compartmentalize that. And and what people don't realize is when you're the spokesman, you're on call 24-7, Christmas, Thanksgiving. I mean, I got called out Christmas Eve, I remember this, to, to Mercy San Juan Hospital. It was a dead toddler, and the mother's boyfriend had beaten the kid to death, a boy, with a spoon. And he had um, indentations in his skull oh, from God. being beaten with a spoon. That's, that's Christmas morning. Mind you, I was opening gifts with my kids on Christmas morning, and I have to leave and respond to that and, and go deal with that. So you see a lot of things like that. I, w I was talking earlier to you, David. That was, uh, I remember one time was eating at Spaghetti Factory on J Street with my family. Uh, Pager goes off. The hel sheriff's helicopter just crashed it. Mather. Lights and sirens out there. And so, I mean, I missed a lot of, a lot of family events, you know. It's, it, you're on call and you respond to those. So birthdays, anniversaries, get-togethers. Uh, I missed a lot of family events, but that was a job I chose, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah, you're right. There is a dark side to that, which is one you got to be, you got to, you know, you have all of these um, crimes that you got to be around all the time because we'll, we'll get into your previous um, well, part of the, your career, but you have to be there. And then your family life, right? You get calls. You got to go. You, you, don't go. Have a, you don't have an option. And what was cool? Glenn Craig was a sheriff, and he was been the former CHP commissioner. So he chose me as, as his spokesman. So that was that was kind of neat doing that. He never really said, "Hey, I want you to say this, this, and this." He let me do my own thing. So I, you know, I charted my own path, and uh, I, man, I love doing it. You know, we had a, we had a case that um, was interesting because I, prior to that, I spent ten years in narcotics and gangs. So we have a murder at Real into high school, and I can't remember the girl's name, but a janitor during school. I remember her. that case. Yeah. I, 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 God, I can't remember the young lady's name. I remember But that. kills her and rapes her mm -hmm. uh, on the school campus. That's right. In they find her body in the wood shop in the middle of the day. And this guy they had hired, and on his forehead was 187. And 187 is the penal code section for murder. And I'm thinking, how the hell did this school district hire this guy? <laughs> 187 on his head? Yeah, on his head. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guy, I'll, her name will come to me. Yeah, I like, remember that case. Beautiful girl. It was beautiful a horrible girl. case. Yeah, it was broad daylight. Yeah, at high school, right? I mean, so, that's where your parents think you're safe. Yeah, so you got a lot of crazy stuff. So what we we first kind of hit it off um, because I think we both grew up as military brats. I grew up in the Air Force. Your dad was in the Air Force. Correct. Um, I 
I did a lot of my, I went to high school at Vanden High School out by Travis. That's where my dad retired out of. Well, he didn't. He That's where he left me. Um, and uh, we're, your dad retired out of Mather, Mather. right? And um, so, you know, I always tell people, if you grow up, if you grow up in the military, like in that environment, especially if you grow up on bases, yep. it really shapes your life. Like there's nothing like it. I wish everybody could grow up on a base, man. Um, it just, it does. It shapes your life. And in fact, in my life later, when I could have done bad stuff and I could have done the right thing, I think by growing up in that military environment, it allowed me to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. What are and, your, and it was very diverse too. So Very diverse. Yeah, race wasn't an issue in the military. So how did you go growing up? Dad was in the military. You lived in Rancho Cordova. Correct. Right? I, I've driven by your house. Yes. That's some janky stuff back then, man. <laughs> you live in I a lived, janky I lived neighborhood. In a nice house. No, I lived in a very nice house. <laughs> well, maybe in 1978. <laughs> um, I don't think that yard has been done since 1978. No, was, hey. um, all right. So... How did you get from there into law enforcement? So I graduated high school in 1982 and started college. Didn't know what I wanted to do. So it was actually my senior year in high school. I started working at Sac 6 Drive-In. Yes, the drive-in theater. At, um, Sac 6, that one? Bradshaw of... and Highway 50. Still there. Still there. What did you do at the drive-in? Um, helped get traffic in and... People that snuck their friends in the trunk, we threw them out. Yeah. And then I worked the snack bar, made pizzas and stuff and did that. So anyways, we had a couple of sheriff's deputies working there off duty because it would get rowdy on the weekends. So um, I, I got- What years was this? This, years? Is 80, this is 82. 82 you're 82, senior in high school? yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm meeting these guys and I've never been around cops before and, and they, they were pretty cool. So um, they talked me into taking the test. So I take the test, I'm 19 years old. And I get accepted to the academy. So um, I turned 20 in January of 84. And then on Valentine's Day, 84, I started the academy, the Sheriff's Academy. Really? And then... Uh, that quick? Yeah. Six months later, I graduate. Had to have my mom buy my gun because I wasn't 21 years old yet. <laughs> so I got a, I had a, I had a 357 revolver. <laughs> your mom, that your mom bought. My mom bought in her name. Yeah. <laughs> I still have that, you I still have that, that gun? gun. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Damn. Um, you know, I worked at the Birdcage Theaters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Birdcage is across from the Sunrise Mall, and Birdcage used to be like a mall mall. Right. And then they kind of, but I worked at Birdcage. They had those like $2 movies. That was the worst job I ever had. But the benefit of working at the movies is you got to go to other movie you theaters did. and get in free. So <laughs> That was good. You know, Sayufi owned it, which is a century in Cynodome. So you go to UA and other movies and get in free. So that was a that was a cool thing about that. That was good. So you you went to the academy like what was so what was your first gig in the in the as a law enforcement? So I graduate and back then they only hired people full time every it was like 4 or 5 years. You had to wait to get on. So I got hired as a as a permanent part time. So deputy sheriff on call. Uh, so I went to the courthouse and got hired there. I, I worked there for a year and a half waiting to get hired here. Like doing and what? As a bailiff. Escort officer. Well, other guys standing in court. Yeah, escorting inmates oh, into court. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and bailiffing. But I got bored. I wanted to be on patrol. So in the meantime, Stockton PD's hiring. So I applied for Stockton PD. I you get did? hired. So I moved to Stockton. Uh, I was down there for a year and a half, and it was it was different down there. Really? Yeah. And uh, so then a year and a half later, Sacramento County calls me and says, hey, we, we have a job for you. Um, so I come back. And they had also removed the weight requirement, right? There was no weight. I looked, I was, I was, I was, <laughs> oh, I was trim and just, mm, 
I look good. I must say so. So anyways, Sacramento County hires me. I come yeah. back yeah. and uh, I go to the jail and the jail, I worked at the old jail. There was no air conditioning. Hot in the summer, cold in the winter, and you're on a floor by yourself with 125 inmates. Very busy. And it, I like that because you learn how to interact with people. You're not carrying a gun in the jail. Um, you're not carrying mace in the jail. You're by yourself. So you learn how to interact with people and deal with people. And they try and game you, and you know, but it, you become versatile at that. So anyways, this is stuff going on. So this is right around 87, 88. All the gang stuff is jumping off. Crips and Bloods, drive-by shootings are, are going crazy. Crack cocaine's out there. Yeah. People are selling drugs all over Sacramento. So um, they decide they want to make a team, a narcotics team, to go out and buy drugs because most of the guys that were working narcotics were middle-aged white males. So they pulled five of us out of the jail. And, well, I, I'm sorry, not out of the jail, from different areas of the, of the department. So they had uh, there were two black guys, a, a uh, Hispanic brother, uh, a Filipino girl, and a uh, um, East Indian guy. Damn, you guys are like 21 Jump like Street. 21, but better, but better. <laughs> yeah. So our job, street team, go out and buy drugs. So for five years... Well, hold, hold a second, hold a second. What was happening in the drug scene before this, like with law enforcement, where this, it just wasn't big enough for them to dedicate anything to it? or They were dedicated to it, but they didn't have the right look. Who was the sheriff then? Glenn Craig was. And so he said, we need to get in, we need to infiltrate. We need a street team, yeah. So okay. basically for, the fi for those five years, I went out and bought drugs every night in Sacramento. North Highlands, Oak Park, Rancho Cordova, everywhere. We would buy all the time. And um, it was what was crazy is Roseville PD was small then. Roseville's nothing like it is now. Right. And so they, their officers had come down and ridden with us to get experience in the narcotics, narcotics area. So they asked me to come to Roseville. So up on off of Kirby, um, they rented an apartment for me, and I got the keys to it. So I would go hang out there in the evenings and uh, eat dinner with people and buy drugs from them. I was buying crank or methamphetamine. Well, well hold on a second. So, so the department rents you an apartment, right? Roseville PD gets an apartment, gets me keys. I get them, so I. But no I, one, no one sees no one, you coming in and going, "Hmm, who's this guy?" I, like, I just come in the evenings, come in, hang out, get a rapport with people, and we ended up uh, um, serving four search warrants and arresting twenty-one people that were involved in, with meth. So how did you? How would you get the apartment and then get connected to the? Because let me tell you something, I'm like fifty something, right? I have never in my life had someone come up and ask me if I wanted drugs in but, my life. But you're square, so I was. I, I fit in good, and <laughs> yeah. I could, you know, I've relationships and just is it like talking to people and and, and you know I'm, I'm a social person so i'd talk to them and just get to know them and uh, next thing you know i was buying drugs from them so were there certain ways you like drop hints that you might be looking for it or is the way you dress i'm just really curious about no that. just it's just knowing the talk normal lingo okay so i did that that was that was great did that for a month but otherwise it was mainly in sack so one time we're in san francisco we're buying uh, it was a drug connection because it's you're typically you're always trying to move up the ladder, the food chain. So we're buying uh, um, cocaine from Colombians, and they're we're buying two kilos in San Francisco. In San Francisco, so um, I'm driving the white Cadillac. I'm the money man, the flash man. So I have thirty two thousand dollars in cash in the trunk. So uh, it's Bob Reisdorf, a guy I used to work with. He's the one that's negotiating the deal. So I'm going to pull up and open the trunk and flash the money. And then, you know, after the deal is made and stuff. So 
um, we had back then the radials were only line of sight radials, so they lose me in San Francisco. We're driving around, and you got a, bunch and we of... don't know. See, I got I got thirty two thousand dollars in cash in my trunk, and and, <laughs> and trying to get through that, but uh, we end up doing that. But um, you know, and then I'm, then what was interesting? Um, I went to high school. This person I went to high school with got a full ride scholarship to University of Washington as a quarterback. Amazing guy, should have played in the NFL and got caught up in drugs. So one night we serve a search warrant on an apartment complex on West Loma, where you used to live. And um, <laughs> been in West Loma, yeah. man. And got knocks on the door, I, and we're already inside. I crack the door, I go, hey, I, I go, what, what's up? He goes, I need a 20 piece. So a 20 piece is the term back then for $20 worth of rock cocaine for a quarter gram. So, um, all right, so I, we sell it to him. And the door comes open, and this guy just takes off running, running. I mean, he ran like a four three forty. Oh yeah, because he's an athlete. He's an athlete, <laughs> amazing athlete. But it was raining and muddy, and he slipped. Uh. <laughs> so he got, <laughs> yeah, he got caught. But uh, just a lot of folks I went See, to school. He didn't recognize you though. No, or? he didn't recognize me. He I had was had too, on, it he was too pulled down. Up. Yeah. How would you dress? Just oh, I, what I, years were these? I wore Raider stuff. Were these mid eighties or early eighties? Yeah, 80s? yeah, mid eighties. Like, so you were like, so probably I, wearing I would, those like. I what had are those a, pants called? The baggy no, ones? With I the... was wearing pink shorts and selling and doing that stuff, buying dope. <laughs> I had a knockoff uh, Louis Vuitton fanny pack. But it had to be a knockoff, right? Knockoff, they, they, yeah. Uh, like Raiders cap on, Raiders jacket, and and doing that stuff. And what's 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 crazy is it was different, especially for crack cocaine. So it's essential nervous nervous system stimulant speeds you. But you know, with these gangs, they would just post up on a corner because, you know, most drug dealers, you got to come to someone's house and, and, you know, they know you, whatever. But with crack was so different with the gangs, they'd take over a street corner, stand in front of someone's house and sell to anyone that came to buy it from them. They didn't know you. They'd sell. They didn't care. They'd sell to you. So we had a lot of problems back then. So this is out. If it's for any of you that are young and you've seen um, Straight out of Compton with NWA, when that cassette first came out, that song... And I'm going to say it, the police. So I'm driving around in a maroon Datsun with a 40-ounce bottle of Old English, my shirt off. And I, I mean, my chest is like, I've got muscles. <laughs> yeah, flabby. I know it's not flabby. i got yeah. muscles in. So <laughs> I pull up and I'm buying dope out of that. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I'm you're playing, bumping. Playing f- yeah. the police. Yeah, <laughs> playing all that NWA You got stuff. an Old English between your legs. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, buy, I'd go up on a bike and... On a bike, drinking a beer, buying dope. So you're living the car, life. You were walking. like playing the role. Yeah, you play the role. And then like, so I, I was buying, I mean, I'd bought a lot. And there'd be uh, some nights, oh, Cooper, watch out for Cooper. Well, what? What? Is, what does Cooper look like? He's a big black guy. Okay, that's pretty generic. <laughs> <laughs> watch out for Cooper. <laughs> yeah. So we, we were in a house one time. We were over off of a Gerber. Hey. Gerber. Ha- Shit was Ger- happening Ger- in Gerber? Gerber and Power in. Oh, okay. I go, I go in some house, and I got a gun on me, and there's like six guys, and these guys have guns, guns on the counter, and they're like, do we know you, man? I said, no, you don't know me. Hey, man, do we know you? I said, no, you don't know me. And this dude goes, hey, swear on your mom's life, you ain't a cop. I said, I swear to God, I'm not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave. They come in and, and bust, bust them. And, uh, you know, but you swore, man. Dude, there ain't no law. That's, that's an urban myth. You got to tell me you're a cop. No, hell no. That is a that is an urban legend, right? Where people go, legend, yeah. ask a cop. He's got to tell you he's a cop, right? That's, yeah. That, that's bullshit. Yeah. So I, I did that. And then, so I, I, I bought so much dope. It's like, 
you know, how much more dope can you buy? So then I went over to, I, trans, I did a TDY assignment to um, yeah. Department of Justice asset forfeiture. So we were targeting big dope dealers that were selling dope. So we ended up seizing a guy's, a guy's he had a Mercedes, not a Mercedes Benz, he had a Rolls Royce. His name was Treetop. Lived on Gerber. And he was a pimp on Stockton Boulevard. <laughs> Stockton with a Rolls this Royce. Dude was six, seven with a Rolls Royce. But, you know, you show the pattern, you go back to, to franchise, and he's got no wage earning statements, and you go through these things, you can show that the money was, the car was purchased through ill-gotten gains. So I did that for a year, came back to narcotics, to major narcotics, and I promoted, um, I was a sergeant in charge of gangs. So here you are in the gang unit driving around stopping people and uh, stopping gangsters. A lot of pursuits. Well, so we're, the, we're talking early 90s, right? Now? Early yeah, we're, 90s. We're, so we're, gangs we're, were hot. I mean, gangs were big then. That was like... Of, a lot Boom. of shootings, yes. A lot of shootings, and it was crazy. And a lot of gangs are selling dope. And that's one thing, if you're in the drug business, you're in the drug business to make money. So nothing good happens because of drugs. You know, we're dealing with, with the uh, COVID-19 right, COVID right now, but we still have a major fentanyl problem. People are still ODing on fentanyl. You still have deaths from vaping. No one talks about that. Um, drugs are so hard. A lot of folks have family members and friends that have a hard time getting off drugs and or alcohol. It is so hard to get off. And nothing good comes out of drugs. No one ever planned on being a drug addict. And when people, we'd be out there doing the deals, people would be stolen meat from the grocery store to try and trade for drugs. One time this woman had her 12-year-old daughter and offered her for sex to me for a quarter gram of cocaine. Well, you can have sex with my 12-year-old daughter for a quarter gram of cocaine. So you think about things like that. Think about people breaking in houses and doing home burglaries or vehicle burglaries to support a drug habit. Think about prostitution out there, support a drug habit. You have human trafficking, and you know, mm -hmm. and they're giving them drugs, and they get them, they get them hooked on drugs. A lot of like a lot of child molest, where things happen because of lifestyles, because they're involved with drugs. You know, so we see a lot of child abuse. And you, you talk you talk to um, social workers, a lot of those cases, different cases, you know, the one common denominator is drug and or alcohol abuse. So nothing good happens because of drugs. But, you know, California has legalized drugs. And that's part of that homeless problem. Besides being mentally ill, it's a, it's a major drug problem right. that people over at the Capitol don't want to really address that issue. And until we address the, the, the substance abuse problem, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a crime necessarily, it's a, it's, a, it's a disease, but we haven't treated it that way and we're mm -hmm. not doing it that way. So you legalize it, more folks are, 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 are trying it because, hey, it's legal. Yeah, I would see that all the time. Yeah. Um, so when you were out there, was there a certain point when you, when you guys were like, what is this crack? Because I don't think a lot of people um, younger than us, maybe under under the age of like forty, I don't think I don't think they really know what crack. That's something they probably have only heard about, right? Like way back. But when crack happened in the mid to late eighties, right, that really had a big effect on on our urban it areas. Did. So the thing what? is, if if you're doing drugs, you're doing it to get high. So obviously, you get it from powder cocaine. Well, powder cocaine when it comes over is pure, but you want to step on it. You want to add additives to it and dilute it. So you're going to put baking soda or other things in that 
or, or lactose, whatever, di mm -hmm. different things in that. So that way, instead of a pound, you've got now a pound and some more. So that's the more money you make. So a lot of your powdered drugs, especially cocaine back then, had been cut with cutting agents. So it was less pure. The reason they made crack cocaine, because it was more pure. And with powder coke, you can't smoke powder coke because the level, when it burns out, is so high, it would burn it up, it, it would turn into goo. So when you smoke crack cocaine, what's the best way to introduce a drug into your body? Do you know that, cue ball? No, no, I don't. To Probably. smoke. To smoke, huh. because your lungs are a bunch of veins. So from the time you hit that pipe, you're going to feel the effects in seven to 10 seconds. So that's why they're making cocaine. And crack cocaine is cocaine-based. We're, we're making it a base now. So that's why it's so popular. So you see that. And that's why smoking meth is too. And it was so it was cheap too, right? It was, so it was cheap, cheap. Yeah. So yeah. it just but rolled through. Hundred bucks a gram. How did the gangs get involved in it? Money. It's all about making money. So they would just go get connections <clears throat> down in Mexico, bring the cocaine over, or however or it here. happened, yeah. and then cook it up here. Yeah, it was all about making money. It's still even the cartels with with most of the methamphetamine. You're in the you're in the drug business to make money. Mm -hmm. Period. Nothing else. Um, so then crack kind of had its day. It went out. Uh, not went out, but I think so, it was just replaced by other stuff. What what well, kind of moved it, it out of the way? It, it's still there. It's still there. Me meth is real big. Meth is the same thing, but the difference is a meth high lasts four to six hours versus a high on cocaine or crack, maybe 15 minutes, half hour, half hour max. That meth high can go from four to six hours. What, so what, methamphetamine is still a central nervous system stimulant, but mm -hmm. it's man-made. That's okay. why- you So it's all man-made. Correct. That's why when you go to the store, they keep the Sudafed, Nactafed. You can only yeah, buy so many it. pills that's locked up know. because people were doing that. Yeah. And um, that's why I think what I've read is that that's why meth a uh, addicts look so horrible because all of that is chemicals. just all these chemicals, right? Working and, through their skin. Correct. And when you're on meth, you tweak. And a lot of our sh a lot of the shootings that were happened when during my time in the sheriff's department involved individuals under the influence of methamphetamine. Not, not, not so much uh, crack cocaine, because you're tweak, you're you're tweaking, you're paranoid. Everybody's after you. Have you seen any decline in meth, or is that thing just going no, strong? No, it's, it's still there. Uh, weed is, I don't say cannabis. It's it's weed. It's marijuana. It's 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 still out there. It's 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 very potent now. And yeah, you're not going to overdose or die from it. But you know, people, it's it's addictive. People want to. They got to smoke weed every day. You know, it, it, it does become addictive to it. So you've got to be careful with those things. And just like alcohol, you know, alcohol, it's, it's interesting. When my daughters went to college, uh, I said, hey, number one, you shouldn't be drinking. But if you're going to be drinking and partying, be careful with booze and stuff because kids do that. And I, I, I talked to them because it took them down to sexual assaults in the sheriff's department because most of the rape cases you see down there are date rapes or acquaintance rapes that involve alcohol and or drugs. So when you have when you have a, a strange rape or someone rapes someone and drags them in the bushes, that's front page news. Right. We want to we gotta catch right. this guy, he's a bad, catch this guy, he's a bad person. But th that's not most of your rapes. Correct, that's most right. Most of your rapes involve alcohol or drugs. Yeah. And that's why I tell young girls, my daughters, if you're at a party and you're drinking and you walk away from your drink, get a new drink because people will mm -hmm. try and, and, and drug you. Uh, you know, we back, back again to DA Schubert when we were talking to her, um, part of, you know, we're going over the Golden State Killer and, you know, how prolific rapes were back then. Right. Um, but she said today, stranger rape is incredibly rare. 
It is right. it is almost always someone you know, no. um, someone who is just there at the right time, right? You're, you, you're drunk or something's putting your drink. Yeah. yeah that, someone you've talked to. And, um, and you, people, don't, people don't get that. They don't, especially young girls, I tell them. And you also tell boys too, no means no, if someone can't consent. But that's how it happens. That's the reality. And a lot, rape is underreported dramatically. So a lot of rapes we never hear about. But in California right now, present day, if you drug and rape a woman, it's not considered a violent felony, which is asinine. It's that not? Is, that, no, it's not. Who did that? That's, that's, that's the law in the legislature. Try to get it passed, try to get it changed, but um, it's people not didn't a want to violent it. felony. It's not considered a violent felony to rape and drug a woman or to rape somebody developmentally disabled. And that would never pass this building. It wouldn't, no. If we tried, it can't get out of the building. Yeah. Which, 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 which is sad. When you ask most citizens, they're like, yeah, that is a violent crime. Right, right. That is sad. Yes. Um, so when you were doing your, you know, the undercover stuff, did you ever get into a position other than that guy who said, uh, you know, swear you're not a cop? Did you ever, was there ever a time where you thought your, your cover was blown? Did you run into a friend who's like, hey, Jim, how you been? No, but people, I, man, I think I know, I work the jail, don't forget. So I saw yeah. a lot of folks in the jail. Right. And I think, man, I know you, man. I said, no, you don't know me. Man, I know you, brother. I said, no, you don't know me. So, <laughs> and, my, and my butt was puckered up like this. <laughs> but, I, you know, you got out of there and you, it was right. cool, man. But he, he knew who I was, but he wasn't the one selling me the dope. He was in the house. Oh, so I was okay, like, okay. I was like, all right, hey, cool. No, you don't. Yeah, no, you don't, man. But, you know, you're wearing a hat and you're trying to look. I, I had I had a big old flat top, kid in play. Uh, I had my hair braided. I had a beard. Uh, Larry Blackman from Cameo. The, like Cameo with, yeah, the, with, yeah. with, with, the, with the thing on the crotch. Yeah, the uh, little, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Um, but, yeah, he had that He had that classic. Yeah, dude, yeah I, was ro- I was rocking it, bro. Yeah. Really? That was your deal? Yeah. So that, that original Jump Street team, anybody there um, ever go, hey, we can't do this, man. This is crazy. People came in and out, and, and some folks had a hard time doing that. They, they couldn't make the transition to do it. Because I mean, let, let's be honest, most cops in narcotics don't ever buy dope. They look the part. They've got a beard or whatever, mm-hmm. the hair. They look the part, but most of them don't go out and buy dope like that. And I was just a dope buying fool. I had a great time. All day. I, all day. I'd go to anybody's house. What was, what was funny is... So I'm running for the legislature in 2014. So I'm meeting with my campaign people, and they said, hey, so just so you know, you have to go and knock on doors and ask for people's votes and go do that. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know what? If I can go somewhere and ask someone to buy dope that I don't know and knock on their door, I can knock on someone's door and ask them for their vote. <laughs> so, hey, I was out walking houses during the campaign. And I smell weed. This is like, uh, this, this has got to be a grow house. Yeah. I'm like, okay, my blinders are on. I'm trying to get elected. I'm yeah. not tripping on that. I go to one guy's house. He goes, Cooper. I, I go, hey, I'm trying to help you. I'm tr- trying to vote, asking for his vote. He goes, one guy told me, Cooper, you put me in jail. <laughs> I, said, I said, hey, all right, I'm sorry. I, another, another guy is like, he, go, he goes, Cooper, really? You're going to ask me for my vote? I go, hey. I'm not in, I'm getting out of law enforcement. I want to help you and help your community. Well, I can't vote because I'm a felon. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. No, I didn't arrest that guy. But you're trying to, you know, you're talking to people. Yeah. But it was, but when I walked, I carried a gun in certain neighborhoods. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I, had, a, I had a pass there. Did you ever walk? Do you represent any of those districts you worked in? Yeah. You did the buys? Really? <laughs> yeah, in South Sac. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, it was a trip. Which was the worst area? There's really no worst. I, I, this no, is then. A, 
Not now. It was just a lot of areas. But here's, yeah. here's, here's, all, here's what I want to say. So I, I was out there in the 80s. In those areas, even before then, I knew those areas were, were tough areas. And here's what really pisses me off. If you think about it, think about how they revitalized downtown over the years and put mm-hmm. a lot of money into downtown. In these neighborhoods that we were working in, underperforming schools, no banks, no supermarkets, no sports programs or arts programs for kids. That's why those neighborhoods are jacked up because the politicians don't do anything to correct that. If they did, those kids' lives would be dramatically different. And that's the big issue. And I don't care, we're not just Sacramento, but wherever you go, those challenged neighborhoods have always been that way. Mm-hmm. And what, what's more important, the downtown area or other areas? Because they never do that. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to mm-hmm. invest. I live in El Grove. El Grove's nothing special. I like El Grove, though, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a community. It's a working class town. Yeah, working class town. They've got 15,000 kids playing youth sports. Uh, the b- biggest youth soccer registration in the country. The biggest Cal Ripken baseball league west of the Mississippi. Where I am in El Grove, it's just two miles as a crow flies to Metaview. And I would tell you, if those kids had those same opportunities, their lives would be dramatically different. I couldn't agree more. And, that, and yeah. that, it's just, and it's just they, they talk about the cycle and they talk about the justice stuff. A lot of it, I'll tell you what, is uh, economic justice. Yeah. And just people, it's like, give someone an opportunity, they're going to succeed. But these people don't want to do anything for them. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's, that's the real talk. And that's the shame. So so first of all, like where you grew up in Rancho Cordova, I, I know I'm banging on Rancho. But well, we were number one in the nation in football. Damn, that was a long we time ago, people. man. That was like 30 Metro, years ago. Hey, Burbank, Johnson, Kennedy, Sac High. <laughs> All the Mitchell schools, we used to beat them down. Now, your your rhythmic dance season was at the same time the football season was, right? So how did you get... I was a, I, played var, I played varsity football. <laughs> Were I'm you not, able to watch a football I'm not team? sure what you played. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you play? What what position? I was a defensive end. Oh, uh, you're trying to make my, some my shit little, up real my quick. My little brother got a scholarship to Columbia. Did Full he? ride, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good I believe, yeah. I think I've seen your brother. You had him here. You might have, I yeah. think at Frank Fats. Yeah. You guys were eating. So, oh, but I bang on Rancho Cordova, but I'm just kidding. Because honestly, if you go to Rancho Cordova, so as I told you before, when the lockdown happened originally and all the gyms were, you know, closed up tight, like I had to exercise, but I live in a place where there are a lot of hills. And right. so I was not going to run on those hills. So I would drive down 50 until I got to a flat place and it's Rancho. It's all right. flat there, right? And uh, so I would run in those neighborhoods. And what struck me is that once you get past those very small pockets that people might call, you know, sketchy or a little shady, um, that would be called that, right? I'm not saying they are. But you get past that. I mean, you got just average people, man, taking care of their yards, growing their gardens, trying to, you know, keep stuff looking good. Um, But what I did notice is the difference between that area that's only like, I don't know, 15 minutes from where I live in El Dorado Hills and the difference in um, the kids. Right. So you go to El Dorado Hills, kids are walking around all weekend with like sports uniforms. I mean, they're like like looking like they're in professional sports. Right. They got these soccer uniforms that are all shiny and, you know, all the parents are following them around. You don't see that. Like all the fields were empty, right, in, right. in Rancho. It was just so different. And I wonder, God, what if they had that same opportunity, man? They had those same opportunity to play sports and, and do that stuff. That, 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 that is a real deal. And, you know, before spending that time in narcotics and gangs, people don't choose that lifestyle. If, if you're a kid growing up in, in, a, in a tough neighborhood, that's all you know. To you, that's, that's the normal. 
you don't know any different versus someone that that's parents are able to put them in sports and do those things. Mm-hmm. That's their normal. And it, it, it's a shame. But the thing is, that's gone on for 30, 40, 50 years. It has never changed because people don't want to help and invest in that, which is which is BS. Do you that, see, that is wrong. What's the hardest part of bringing Medivue back to a, you know, a really, you know, where it should be, the Medivue area? It's just, it's just it, like I said, there's no, it's, you have kids there. That's my district. Mm-hmm. It's the schools. They, they get free breakfast, free lunch, and free dinner. It's an impoverished community. Like I said, there's money should be investing there. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about law enforcement being an occupying force. If you fix those things, that solves a lot of problems. Because I'll tell you what, law enforcement's not up there patrolling El Dorado Hills, Arden Arcade, mm-hmm. Folsom, things like that. It's in these neighborhoods where you really need the resources at. But obviously, they're people of color. So, you know, how do you how do you fix that? So, my during my time in the in legislature and on city council too, fifteen years as a mayor and council member, I've always focused on kids, on children, how to make children's lives better. That, mm-hmm. That's been my that's been my sole focus because you only have so much capacity. So, so when you when you got out of that and you went to the your next job was uh, at the jail, right? You ran the jail. And I promoted. I so I was a I was a sergeant. And I promoted to lieutenant, and then when I promoted to captain, you're, you're, you command a division. So you command. I was a commander of the jail, patrol, high tech crime. So I command a lot of different divisions. That, so that's where that's where. Because I've walked down the street with you in downtown Sacramento, man, and I can't tell you the people <laughs> that you don't want approaching you that approach us. And it's like, Coop, how you do? I'm like, how do you know this guy? <laughs> like, these are people that you like, right? They were yeah. they were under your watch there in, in jail. You gave me a tour of the jail. Yes, I did. It was me, you, and your daughter, and we were walking around in there. Dude, that was that was that was a trip. So, like when you walked me through there, like there are no doors, there are no bar, it's like open. Yeah. Like if they wanted to, right? If they put their shit together, they could probably take that over for a little while. I mean, I thought, I don't know. Right. Am I wrong? They saw you and licked their lips, Q. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was dessert. Man, I was hanging on your belt loop. <laughs> I was letting go of that belt loop. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, you got you got some people in there that are, that are what's interesting, bad actors. And so it, the jail downtown, so any pretrial inmate, when you first get arrested and before your case is adjudicated, you're booked into the downtown jail on I Street for the entire county. So I don't care if you're CHP in Sacramento, Sac Sheriff, Sac PD, Folsom, Isleton, Galt, Folsom, Citrus Heights PD, even the feds book their prisoners into that main jail. They only hold 2,500 inmates. They have 55,000 bookings a year. So to be honest, when most people get arrested, you go in and you're out in less than 12 hours. The ones that stay are pretty much <laughs> bad people. Yeah. So the quick story, you guys are some of you, for you older listeners, um, you might remember the Diane Whipple case. She was an, a lacrosse coach in the Bay Area, and she was mauled by two Belgian Dogs. Presso Canarios, yeah. Canaries that the attorneys mm-hmm. owned. And these attorneys were representing an Aryan Brotherhood white supremacist, Cornfed Schneider. They adopted him. They adopted him. So these two dogs in San Francisco maul this lady to death and kill her. So anyways, these guys are doing life at Pelican Bay for murders and a bunch of other heinous stuff. So they transfer him up here to our jail for a trial in Sacramento. And they send him up from the Bay Area, SWAT teams following a helicopter overhead. So they come in, and I'm the jail commander, so I'm waiting when they come in that evening. And we're waiting for them, we bring them in. So we run these guys through metal detectors. 
And this guy had a handcuff key in his penis, in his urethra. You're kidding yes, me, man. I, yes, yes. There's, like, a, there, there's an x-ray of it, yes. And I have it. Oh, still. my God. Yeah, I'm like, This is corn-fed Schneider? Corn-fed, yeah. Oh, my And it God. was crazy. Yeah, crazy. God, damn. This was in the jail. In the jail, so, in the downtown jail. It was that's just, a good story, man. Yeah, it just, it, but it was just, it was crazy, man. It was just different times. So here's, the, here's what I think people, I think the jail... Going to jail. And that's why I think, that's why I don't like when they do this site and release stuff. Because going to jail is one of the best ways to get somebody off a life um, path that they probably shouldn't be going down. So when you and I did the tour with you, it was me, you, and your daughter, and I think there was one other person. And we were doing the tour. Like when everybody comes in, they put them in a room. And the room is just, it's a blank room and you got like benches on three sides, right? Right. And you took me past the room and we looked in and they were like, and you were like, which one of these is not like the other? And I looked in and it was like 14 guys that looked like this wasn't their first time there. Right. And they knew exactly what to do. And you had one guy who looked like he was at a fraternity fraternity (laughs) party, got a little drunk, you know, got a little loud and he was brought in and he was just sitting on that bench trying as hard as he could not to be seen by the other 12 people in this like <laughs> eight by eight room. Right. And I was like, wow, that is a scary, that's some scary shit. It is. And just so you guys know, they're helping us in the studio. There are no seat covers. That toilet is just stainless steel. You sit on it. There's no lid to sit on it. And the toilet paper is one ply cheap stuff to wipe your butt with. It's not Charmin. It's not good stuff. It's okay. low bid. Whatever the cheapest bid well, is, government buys. And the toilet paper, the baddest dude in the cell will take it and use it as a pillow. Pillow, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to actually use the toilet paper, you got to tell the baddest motherfucker in that cell. That's, that's a true story. <laughs> Give me your pillow. Yeah. You got to unwrap it, whatever. If you got, you got to blow your nose. We don't have clinics there. You got to just unwrap that toilet paper and blow your nose yeah. in that. But but I, what I was thinking is that guy who kind of messed up at the fraternity, like – he probably never did that again, you know? Yeah, I think for some people, they're like, hey, I will never do this I again. I will never do this again. Especially the average person that, that may end up there, you know, Joe Blow or mm-hmm. Jane, Jane Q, Citizen, going to be for driving under the influence, drunk driving. Right. Yeah, right. And they're like, this is not... This jail sucks. This is not where I want to well, And what's at. interesting is on, on the jail, <clears throat> so you have every size of clothing from extra small to 6X. And you get to pick? No, no, they give you clothes. So you might get a, you know, and, and what, I guess you're, when you wash at home, the bleach solution is like, I don't know, 8% or 10%. It's like 18% in the gel because you got to bleach stuff. So you, here's an old pair of underwear you get that's maybe the band, waistband's been stretched out. Maybe there's some skid marks that didn't come oh, out. Oh, because they were other people's yeah, clothes. Yeah, because they wash, they wash yeah. clothes. Yeah. And they, and you get a new set of clothes. Got it. And, uh, or it's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you get a, Sports bra, if you're a woman, there's no, you know, it's a sports bra. What, you know, yeah, what, whatever size you are, your underwear or, or your socks. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, 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 it's very different. It's, it's just, it's just jail. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's a great lesson. I think jail does a uh, really important. Well, and you tell purpose. kids there, and like the toothbrush is a small toothbrush, so you don't have your Sonicare. There's no Sonicare there. There's no Crest or Colgate. It's some cheap, low bit toothpaste you're right. going to brush your teeth and with. And the soap is like... And the soap, a little bar of soap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no there's no Bed Bath & Beyond or Body Works where you've got some fragrance, you know, soap. And it's just, yeah, yeah it's 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 that way. 
I was, you know, I was watching, uh, I was talking, no, I was talking to a guy who had done time in jail and he was like, David, you know, if you ever go to jail, let me just give you a hint. Um, and I was like, why are you giving me a hint? I'm not going to go to jail. What, what are you seeing me? Right. And he goes, uh, if you ever get in a fight in jail, take your shirt off. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, take your shirt off. Cause you know, the first thing the dude's going to do, is going to pull that, going to pull that thing over your head and start wailing on your ass. And I was like, oh, well, that's good advice. And he goes, and if you go to the bathroom, keep one leg out. And I was like, he's like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, man, if you, you know, you gotta, you know, go, if you have to go number two, he's like, don't leave both your feet in your, in your pants, leave one foot out of your pants because if shit goes down and you got both feet all tied up, you know, you're, you're done. So I was like, that, that, that's good advice, man. If I ever You've been to watching that. too much Orange is the New Black, bro. I, what is that? Oh no, I never yeah, watched that. I never watched either, but you know, hey. You lived it. Yeah. I've got pictures in there too of me back in the day when I was uh, buying dope. Rocking that uh, flat top. Rocking that flat top. <laughs> so so anything else you think that changed that you picked up by having that life? Because I think obviously being a, you have to be observant, right? Or you could be gone. Yeah. And I, I think it helps me in, in here in, in the legislature because number one, you know, I, I've had a good job. I made more money there and... Um, I enjoy what I did. And, you know, here coming to the legislature, I don't really owe anybody. And I've been threatened before. So, <laughs> so okay, I need to vote for this. Well, I don't need to vote for nothing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, all right, I don't, I've seen bad stuff. And, and ain't nobody dying here on the floor right now. And people, people, what's funny is people crying. I, when you see members that cry over votes, they're crying on the floor. And I'm like, really? You Are crying they? over you you crying over this stuff? Because <laughs> someone's someone's sweating you about a vote. I, know. You know? I have noticed it about you. You are not the guy to go yeah. to if you need sympathy. No. No. <laughs> you I'm are not that guy. Grown ass adults. <laughs> Act like it. So I worked in psychiatric you know uh SMIC over yeah. off of Brock. Middle health, yeah. I used middle to work Hill. there. I worked in um psychiatric facilities for like six, seven years, part-time. Right. As I was going kind of getting my stuff together, going through college in the military reserves. And I tell everybody, that's where I learned how to do this. And that's where I learned how to put this in perspective. Yes. Because people are running around, oh my God, the bill deadline, the bill deadline. Man, I'm like, man, have you ever been in a cell alone with a schizophrenic who's yep. about to bust out at any minute? And yep. it's just you and like two little nurses in the station, right? That's what you need to worry about. Not about a freaking bill deadline, man. Right. Get this shit in perspective. Yeah. So I, I can I can feel you on that. It's I mean, true. No, you're right. That's a great example. It's, it's like, man, people need to slow down sometimes. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's sometimes it's frustrating. All right, man, this is good. So what's what's next for you, man? I'm hearing rumors that you might run for sheriff. So so I had 30 year career in the sheriff's department, 15 years on the Elk Grove City Council, and I've been here. This is my seventh year in the legislature now. So um, I've had a lot of electeds in Sacramento, and and folks asked me to run for sheriff in in 2022. So um, because the the current sheriff is will not be here. No matter what he says, he's not running again. I think a lot sure of us know that? that. Yeah, a lot of us know that. But you know, I, I like doing what I'm doing. I love being a legislature. It's fun. I think you can have an effect on different things and really have an impact. So you know, I'm torn. Um, I'll make a decision next year, but um, it's not a done deal. It's not a done deal at all. I mean, I love being here. This is, it, it's a hard place to get to. I love the work. I love my colleagues. I mean, I disagree with them on mm -hmm. issues, but, um, uh, you know, most of them have really good intent. They they believe in stuff. So 
Um, and I've learned so much and grown, and I've grown so much. So, and then you go back to if, if you're a sheriff, man, uh, and you get, it's like a hot poker up your butt every day. You know, Why is that? Just all the sh all the issues you're dealing Everything with. Everything that happens. Because right? you're responsible for everybody's actions, all your employees. Versus in the legislature, I'm one of 120. So, you know, you blend in unless you want to. You know, so it's it's just it's 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 just it's a lot easier. My family doesn't want me to go back. They're yeah, like, they're like, hey, you've done your time already. Let someone else do that, because you're in the microscope. I know, but it seems like that would be like the perfect place for you, man. Yeah, it really does. Who's like who's gonna save you and run your crummy bills? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could edit that out. <laughs> All right, man, this has been fun. Thank you for being on Political I Really appreciate it. Um, uh -huh. I'll have the appropriate walk up song for you when this thing airs i'll have the appropriate walkout song for you so we'll what's, figure what's, it out what, well i want my i want to do my own songs so i don't want you picking my songs <laughs> remember <laughs> you were the best you? you were the best dj you got fired <laughs> yeah you're short i did get fired man yeah <laughs> you don't want any of that music all right man thank you thanks a lot for being here all right Knuckleheads out there, cold shooting some hoops. A car pulls up, who can it be? A fresh El Camino rolling Kilo G. He rolled down his window and he started to say, It's all about making that GTA. Cause the boys in the hood are always hard. They come talking that trash, we'll pull your car. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't quote me, 